biblically, we were not created to do life alone. We were not mm-hmm. created to do it in silos. And unfortunately, Tim, just even as you've said, so many families feel like they're alone. They're in a silo and they don't want to admit that things are, are hard and that things are messy. Mm-hmm. But the first thing and the first road to finding some relief and to finding some healing is to say, things are messy and things are hard and I need help. Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and ambassador of encouragement. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own. I wish we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? Life can be tough. Storms in life are inevitable. In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to offer biblical mindset support and provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi, neighbor. Joining me on the show today is Herbie Newell. Herbie is the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services, the largest evangelical Christian adoption agency in America. He is the host of the Defender podcast and author of the book, Image Bearers, Shifting from Pro-Birth to Pro-Life. As you are going to discover in our conversation, Herbie can speak about anything related to adoption and child welfare. He can discuss policy, biblical mandates, and what people can do to make a practical impact in their neighborhoods. As is the case with anyone that I bring on the show to talk to you, I encourage you to do your due diligence. Listen to the information, check out the resources, and use what you can in your adoption journey to parent your child the best way you can. Today, I'm excited to bring to you my neighbor from Alabama, another neighbor from Alabama. This one is Herbie Newell. He is a neighbor from Birmingham, Alabama. And as I always do with my Alabama friends, I ask them, do they roll tide or war eagles? So as we get into this, Herbie, where do your, your allegiances lie? Yeah, so my my allegiances definitely lie with the Crimson Tide. So I'd be a big roll tide. Grew up in Tuscaloosa and uh, it, it you know, it's in the blood. So uh, Crimson Tide all the way. Okay, well, I've. I have come to respect Alabama. Uh, I didn't always like them, but I respect them. And uh, especially Coach Saban. I mean, he just, he has a way about him. So it's good either way. I have friends that go both sides, so it's fine. But uh, I want to thank you for joining me today. We are going to have a really productive conversation about adoption, foster care, and the organization that you work with is really critical in today's world, especially given some of the the anniversary that we're, we're thinking of. You and I talked just before we got on here. What I would like to do as we start this conversation is you can tell us a little bit about how you got into what you're doing 
and why this anniversary. And you can talk a little bit about the anniversary that we were alluding to here. So we'll get that started and then we'll I have some questions as we continue this conversation. Yeah, well, Tim, I'm I'm so grateful to be here. And, you know, really the Lord called my family into adoption and foster care, you know, uh, aptly enough through pro-life ministry and through advocating for the unborn. And so even as we look at this, you know, anniversary of the Dobbs uh, decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade, you know, one of the things that uh, that really drew our family in was my wife was serving as the assistant director of a crisis pregnancy center. Uh, you know, she would come home and share, you know, not with names or, or details, but share the stories of the women that she had encountered in the center that day. A lot of times we would not really even know how to respond to some of the stories, to some of the hardship, to some of the trauma that these women were experiencing. And so all we knew to do was to to pray. And uh, as we would pray, the Lord just really pressed upon our heart from uh, both our biblical belief, uh, but but also through just the, the Holy Spirit, that really what these mamas needed and what their children needed was they needed stability. Uh, they needed uh, reconciliation. They needed redemption. And they didn't need to, to be told that their only option was to to sacrifice their child, but that their their option was 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 to come alongside and and have believers come alongside of them to to help them. Like these moms needed help, not just diapers and clothes. They needed someone who was going to come alongside them and teach them what motherhood looked like. We, we needed to be talking more about marriage if it was appropriate and if, if if it was good. But also we needed to explore the beautiful gift of adoption. And so. You know, just through those prayers and praying for specific women, even for sometimes hearing these stories and and really being challenged deep into our core about where a woman was inviting a child into the the hardship and the pain, it we wrestled with these things and 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 you know, kind of on the other side, the Lord offered this opportunity to join Lifeline and to be a part of an adoption foster care organization that was really answering that question of what is our response after a woman does choose life and she's unable to parent or it's not a good situation uh, for that child to be in. How do we as pro-life people, God-fearing people, people of the word come alongside and walk beside these women. And what's interesting, and uh, I'll just say this, and, you know, after 20 years in this ministry for, for both me and, and our family that that's joined me in this, I, I will tell you, the last year has been probably the most receptive I've seen the pro-life community to what Lifeline does, to orphan care, to adoption. I, I feel like in a lot of circles in pro-life community, they didn't want to talk about adoption. They didn't want to talk about uh, foster care reform. They didn't want to talk about family reconciliation and redemption because we were so set on how do we make sure that this child is born that we we lost we lost the grip of that the Lord through his word had commanded us to care for the vulnerable and many of these children that were being born are vulnerable and so what is the church do we do as a pro life response to children that are being born into situations uh, that in many ways are unfathomable today it's it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work i mean it's past time um, it sounds like you and your wife have a james one twenty seven heart my wife and I, that's how we consider ourselves. Uh, we were blessed to adopt two boys. 
and I know many families who have uh, taken that path to build their families. So I applaud, uh, applaud you and your efforts for helping these women. When we did our home study, I remember a lot of the training that we went through. It's been over 20 years now. But I remember these birth mothers, one in particular, um, our social worker said that she had never seen a person cry puddles. And when this this brave woman, you know, she chose life and she she gave her her child away. It just it broke her heart. And I remember when our birth mother handed her son to me. Mm-hmm. I just remember the the devastation in her eyes, but she, again, she was doing what she thought best. So I, I'm glad there are resources out there, like what you're offering for these women. It's something they certainly, certainly need. And, and then with the, the Dobbs ruling, how many more, it's an estimate, but how many more children are available now for adoption? Yeah. Well, we're still, you know, still early in, I mean, um, certainly with a year, but w- but we surely have seen an increase. And I would say at this point, we can honestly say between a 10 to 20% increase conservatively of women that are are choosing adoption. Um, and, and I think what's even interesting is to see that a lot of the women that are choosing adoption are not coming from, you know, quote unquote, red states that have some abortion restriction or even, you know, have abolished abortion in their states. I, I live in a, a state, Alabama, that that has abolished abortion in our state. However, we're getting calls from women that are interested in adoption from from blue states, states where they still can have an abortion. Uh, but they now with this war and, and with this decision, there's there's an openness to explore other options. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I think, you know, even in a year, we could see that really increase even more. You know, the thing that, and I know you would agree with this as well, Tim, that I would tell any family, yes, we have a James one twenty seven mindset, but we also have a James one twenty mindset that biblically tells us that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be hard. As a matter of fact, even 20 years ago when my wife and I were, 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 praying about these girls coming into her center, we understood that the Lord was inviting us as his people into their trauma. We were stepping into their hurt. We were stepping into their pain and we were stepping into their world, which was full of hurt, which was full of trauma. And, you know, I, I would want to tell anyone that this is important work. It's biblical work. It's something that we must do, but we must also understand that it's hard work. It's not easy. It it, it requires sacrifice but that through God's word is what we're always told to do is to sacrifice. And so in this anniversary of the Dobbs decision, I think that we've got to understand that that it's not enough for us just to have a rhetoric. It's not enough for us just to lobby and advocate. It's We have to roll up our sleeves and we have to get our hands dirty in pro-life ministry. And we have to realize that it, it's not about just photo ops and opportunities to put something on social media. This is hard, messy, difficult work, but it's kingdom work. And we see all throughout God's word that kingdom work sometimes brings suffering. It sometimes brings pain. But as God's people, we need to come together, wrap around one another as we're doing this hard work and lift up one another's arms so that ultimately we're showing the gospel. We're bringing the gospel to bear in this work, but we're also seeing redemption and reconciliation for the most vulnerable. Exactly. There's so many services that you're 
organization offers birth mothers, but they also offer services and resources to the adoptive parents. Speaking from experience, having gone through this, we thought we were educated and well-equipped 20 years ago to face some of the challenges. One of my friends has said before to me that people go into adoption with the best of intentions. The birth mother, it's a brave decision she's making. The adoptive couple, they are willing to give a home to uh, one of these children. But in the process, somebody gets hurt. Mm. And it's usually the child. And that child is coming with, as you said, you know, there's trauma that's coming from this situation. And we didn't understand the trauma that our child was bringing with him. Mm. And we didn't understand that until he was in his teens and when things escalated. One of the things that I wanted to to steer this conversation towards today, if there are birth mothers listening, potential birth mothers that would want to consider an adoption plan, I'll have links to your organization so they can contact Lifeline and they can see some of the places they could be, some of the things they could use to help them with their adoption plan. But I want to focus mainly because my audience is made up of adoptive parents. And I believe there are a lot of these James 127 heart people out there. There's a lot of us out there, but we don't know what we don't know. And for people considering adoption, I have a lot of friends who have gone through this process and some who are still are considering it in the future. What are some of the challenges that you can think of that they would be facing? Maybe some questions that they should be asking. Maybe that's a starting point for our conversation here to to kind of focus it on the adoptive parents because we're you're doing work to help the most vulnerable. But adoptive families, adoptive parents are vulnerable too, and they don't realize it. You know, we thought we we got these two boys as infants and we had a clean slate to work with. And kingdom work gets messy sometimes and ours got messy. Now, we would do it all over again. I've I've said that multiple times on the show. We would do it all over again. But I wish we knew now, knew back then what we know now. That would have helped us so much more. So can you tell me some of the challenges that these adoptive parents are going to be facing? So they can come come in this with their eyes wide open and have resources so that they can be identifying things that could be coming up during this period when they raise their children. Yeah. You know, I think any adoptive family that's going to come in here, you know, really needs to ask a lot of questions about, you know, the experience of this child. Um, You know, one of the things that we would look at on a domestic side, you know, I think a lot of families come in and they want to adopt domestically and, and they want to adopt an infant because they think I can bring an infant into my home and I can control everything about this child. And, you know, I can raise this child up and uh, I'm not going to have uh, post-trauma issues. However, I would argue that if we're truly pro-life people that believe that life begins at conception, even a raised cortisol in a mom who's stressed, who might be abused, who may be suffering, um, who may be abusing alcohol or drugs, these all, all of these things impact this child that's in her womb. And so I think we need to ask the questions of ourselves as adoptive and foster families. Are we willing 
to take the hardest case. And I think what we have to realize is we can't necessarily mitigate a lot of those factors, um, you know, unless we're going to bring a woman that, that's just conceived and bring her into our home, you know, and, and, and watch over her. But even then, the stress of having an, an unexpected or maybe even a crisis pregnancy, that cortisol really does affect children it, it, and, and it affects their ability to be able to work through stress in their life and to, to come over trauma. There's so much that's unknown that you can't know, but what you can do is you can prepare. Mm-hmm. And what we would tell any adoptive family, you know, and we've taken them through all these trainings. We actually have a summit that we bring every adoptive family to domestic international where we're teaching them, you know, um, how to how to trauma based care for their children, how to care for their children, how to how to redo the this the syntax in the brain, things that are all very uh, much from a Christian worldview and the way God as a creator wired us and made us. And I think some of these families uh, just it goes over their head because they said, which is a typical human response, but it won't be us. It's not going to be me. Uh, and so. I would I would say if you're going to adopt or foster, you need to say, hey, what is the worst case scenario? What are what are some of the hardships that we're going to go through and what resources are available to help us match those hardships? You know, and those are the questions that 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 if someone's unwilling to answer those questions and then 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 you need to be cautious because. You look at the biblical passages as if a man is going to build you know, a, a structure, if he's going to go make a building, he plans, he makes a plan. In the same way, as we adopt and foster, we need to make a plan. Are we ready? Do we have safety plans even before that child comes into our, our home? And 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 we, we need to also understand that we need to make a lifelong commitment to these children, no matter what they do, no matter no matter what kind of trauma they've experienced, no matter how they react to that, no matter the the the, the expressions that they have, we can't um, give up on these children. And so if we're not going to give up, we've got to make sure we're prepared. You know, mm-hmm. the encouraging thing that I would tell an adoptive family that might be walking through there, uh, it is never too late um, to get help. It's never too late to seek counsel. You know, even a couple of, of weeks ago, uh, we had a, a, a summit for biblically trained counselors to teach them simple play and play therapy uh, techniques uh, in an adoption foster care setting so that they are recognizing attachment. They're recognizing how to uh, appropriately uh, train up an, a family because counseling and therapy doesn't just need to be for a child. It needs to be for a family and it needs to be teaching modalities and it needs to be teaching skills to help that family be able to thrive. So they don't have to stay in therapy long-term, but they can ultimately learn these skills uh, and, and be able to thrive. It's amazing, Tim. We have seen teenagers that have come into a play therapy environment with their parents and they've learned to express emotions they haven't expressed and been able to express for 10, 12 years just through play. And and when we do that in a biblically prescribed way and we're doing it with with a Christian worldview, you know, we can take and reclaim some of these 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 modalities and 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 transport them through a Christian worldview and really equip believing parents to know how to attach, to know how to communicate, to know how to get to the deepest, rawest emotions that their children are going through. You know, we uh, we want to help families through coaching. We want to help families through education. You know, one of the interesting things that I've seen over the last five years is we've really ramped up our adoption and foster care education for, for kids that have been adopted in foster care. 
Um, and Mara Hinton runs this program for us. It's called Bridge Educational Services. And she has been able to see some of these kids who couldn't uh, couldn't succeed in school, uh, who who are also starting to have issues and, and behavioral problems. She's helped families and she's helped these kids rewire some syntax in their brain to be able to process information, to be able to process thoughts and emotion. And a lot of people may be hearing this and go, what in the world are you talking about? Except to say we were made and created by God. Mm-hmm. And he made us as these remarkable creatures. We're created in his image. We're formed by him. We have his fingerprints. And so when you really start to look at this stuff, it goes, you know what? This makes a whole lot of sense because you start to see the way that God made us. Like you go very simply, and I don't want to get graphic on your podcast, but you think about a child that's been born in a biological sense, Right. That child that's been born in a biological sense, the Lord hardwires that child to be fed at a very early age, every two to three hours. And and the way it's been hardwired is for that child to be nestled in its mom's arms where there's eye contact that's happening, where there's touch that's happening, where that child is feeling secure and it's feeling safe. And that mom is loving that child, providing for that child at a very early age, like newborn up to about a year old. We have been hardwired to be cradled, to be nestled, and to be provided for by a mother who instinctively brings us in skin to skin, chest to chest, to say, you're mine. There's eye contact. That mom's talking to that child. That mom is, is investing with that child. If a child has missed that opportunity, it's not too late. And so some families will look, and, and I don't want to, you know, go into every modality, but we will actually have moms cradle a teenager in their arm and rock them and love them and feed them snacks, 13, 14, as well as 17-year-olds, just trying to rebuild attachment and rebuild what was lost. And God is good and God is gracious. And we have seen parents who are who are, who are having remarkable results and, and remarkable opportunities to reattach to their child. And so these aren't some pop psychologies. This is going back to going, this is how God hardwired us. This is how he made us. This is how he planned the the, the human condition before the, 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 the fall of the world. And if we go back and we try to create those opportunities, you know, work, you know, one of the things that we encourage adoptive families and foster families is find ways that children can work. We were meant to work. Not, you know, we're not talking about, you know, putting them out in the fields, you know, but just give them simple work, do simple things. And so, you know, complex modalities, but ultimately all trying to recreate and bring redemption and reconciliation to the situations. It's not a, it's not a miracle, um, although we've seen miracles happen, it's not a, hey, you do one, two, three, and everything's going to be hunky-dory. It's still going to be tough. It's still going to be hard. But we want to help give tools in the tool chest to adoptive families and to kids that have been adopted and fostered to be able to thrive and survive. And last and, and, and not least, as Christians called according to the purpose of God, I believe that part of the the call for Christian parents is to raise their children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that we are to disciple the hearts of our kids. But you know, and I know, and so many other of your listeners know, that when you're unable to attach, when you have issues of, of trauma in your home, when when you're just trying to make it today and, and make it to, to bedtime, or maybe just make it to that two hours of sleep that you hope to have it's tough. And the idea of discipling the heart of your child begins to be something that, that is, 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 is just unthought of. So as a ministry, what we want to do is wrap around these families to say, 
Let's make it possible, not just for you to thrive and survive as a family, but let's make it possible for you to truly be able to do what God's intended us to do, which is disciple the heart of a child. These are good things that uh, I appreciate you sharing with us. One of the things I wanted to to ask you is that for those adoptive parents who didn't have the training that you're offering now, and they're starting to see behavior issues that are less than ideal, and they can run the gamut. When we went to parent day, when our son was in residential, we our mouths dropped open. We thought we had it bad, but we were it was mild compared to what some parents go through. What are some some signs that adoptive parents might begin to see at an early age that would make them understand we need to be doing something? Because you say it's never too late, and I believe it's never too late either. But what are some signs they might see that you can help identify that they can go, okay, we need to start seeking some help? Yeah. You know, I think indiscriminate affection uh, is one thing that you know, usually starts to show up and it's hard to miss sometimes, but um, it's, it's when a child is, is basically latching on and showing affection to whoever provides anything for them. Um, And now certainly, you know, it's natural child development to appreciate somebody that's given them something. Um, But when their affection begins to be as, as high for someone outside of the home as it is for someone inside of the home. And it begins to mirror the same affection they have for mom, for dad, maybe for other siblings. Um, Again, that's probably, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those check engine lights to go, Hey, we, we may want to, we might want to check into some things. Um, You know, I, I think there are lots of different uh, control things that might start to happen. And again, through human development, you know, basic, Children will will try to control their environment. But when you start to see maybe a little bit of obsessive controlling, uh, you know, food hoarding is something that we see, uh, you know, where, where you know, some a child is, is bringing in more food than they can eat. Uh, or, or maybe instead of having a one plate and then going back for seconds, they're bringing the seconds in on the first plate. You know, all those types of things to try to control their environment just give you little windows into their souls that there's some uneasiness uh, that's going on. And and maybe the check engine light uh, begins to come on. You know, I I think for a lot of families, because of compulsory education in the U.S., education does begin to be kind of a warning sign when all of a sudden the teacher's saying, hey, little Timmy or, uh, you know, little Jenny can't sit down. Um, They're they're not they're not paying attention. Uh, They're disrupting the class. some of these, again, normal human development, but things that I would just say, maybe a little check engine lights coming on. Uh, one of the things I would tell every adoptive foster family that's listening, it is not a loss, it's not defeat, and it's not weakness to seek help. Um, and I would say seek help soon, early, and often. Uh, it's never too early to seek help. Uh, you know, one of the things that that, that as, as a ministry we're really trying to do is we're trying to train not just our own counselors and therapists, we're trying to train a network of counselors and therapists across the U.S., biblical counselors and therapists, to have them at a place where they can begin to help adoptive and foster families. You need your church. You know, we need to educate our churches on how to come alongside of adoptive and foster families. Uh, we We need to be able to help in the education system for 
adopted foster families to get IEPs. You know, when a child is in a school system that's not catering to their needs um, and not helping them learn, frustration will build in that heart of that child. Um, that frustration can start to build in the heart of a parent because they're like, what's going on here? And before you know it, um, that frustration can spill into hopelessness. And so those little check engine lights to get educational help, it's not it's not a loss. Um, it to to look for help through therapy and counseling as long as it's from a biblical worldview. And and one of the things that we've started to provide at Lifeline is even family coaching. You know, maybe you're in the early stages and you're starting to just see some of those check engine lights and uh and 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 you say, I need some coaching. I need to make sure that I'm able to ascertain what's really going on. And is this is this check engine light something I need to be worried about? Or is this just to have a, a, a I need some more air in my tire kind of thing? Mm-hmm. You know, those are things that I would seek out. And I think a lot of times adoptive and foster families have this this bent that if I say I need help, then maybe I'm less than as a parent. But mm-hmm. but what we have to realize is if if a biological child is born with Down syndrome or if a biological child is born with with any other type of need or a gene mutation or or a medical need, you know, we don't just take them at home and say, well, I'm less than because I can't meet every single need uh, for this child. When we bring children into our home, we have to realize that, it, that even being separated from their biological parents is trauma. Mm-hmm. And because of that trauma, it's going to act out in some way in our children. And it's not defeatism to say, I need help. As a matter of fact, that's the gospel of grace to come to Christ Jesus and say, I'm a sinner and I can't do this alone and I need help. And so I would just pray and encourage every foster and adoptive parent to say, it's okay to need help. It's good to need help and make sure that you're seeking that help uh, to get those resources to to bring help and healing to your family. That was one of the things that we, it took us a while to, to come out of the shadows. We were, we were shamed into the shadows by comments from friends, you know, and other people who, I don't know, they didn't understand. We didn't understand what was going on, but it had to be bad parenting. Mm. That's what it, that's what it boiled down to. We were bad parents. And so I know how it feels to have that put on you. And it, it's a burden mm. that is unnecessary because you're doing the best you can. And you're just, you're, you're grasping for straws and you're just trying this and this and this. And that's what my wife did. And I did. We tried everything we could think of, sought help and everything, but we're, you know, we're still working with them. That's the thing. As we wrap this up, I wanted to, to ask you, I like to offer biblical support. What are some passages that you would direct adoptive parents to that could help them get into a proper mindset? And we can start there and then I have a follow-up for that. Yeah. You know, one of the passages and I would send any family to that's either considering adoption or foster care, but also that's in the midst of it. And I know it's going to be maybe a little different, but would be the book of Ruth. Because in the book of Ruth, you know, you see Ruth wander into the fields of of Boaz, right? Um, and and as as Ruth wanders into the field of Boaz, you see the the messiness of this Moabite woman who's a stranger. She's an alien. She's a widow, and functionally, she's an orphan. And and you see the grace, but you also see the hurt, and you see the complexity. And so I think that's just a great way, especially for Christian families, to to find encouragement and to know that in God's word, he puts application of how we are to care for the most vulnerable, 
how we're to care for the the neediest among us. And and right there, you see that it's not a primrose path. Yes, yes, it it's pretty, but it's it's redemptive in some ways. But it's also difficult. It's also hard. It's also messy. You know, even in the midst of that, you see that 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 Naomi says, "I'm bitter." Right. So you know it's hard. Uh, you know it's difficult. You know, I think the other place, and and I think for any believer, but especially for foster and adoptive families, is going to the Psalms. And, and a beautiful Psalm is like Psalm 146 that that reminds us both of our call and as well as uh, our response. And that ultimately the Lord is the protector, not just of the orphan and the widow. He's the protector of those of us that respond. Um, you know, Psalm 146 is beautiful because it says the Lord is, 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 is true and he visits those who do his bidding to care for the orphan and the widow, the stranger and the alien. And then, you know, simply, I think it's always good for us to remember our own adoption. And and while uh, the analogy, it is analogous and, and physical adoption is not completely uh, uh, identified or, or equal to uh, spiritual adoption, it's always good to remember our adoption with passages like Romans 8 and passages like Ephesians 1 and passages like Galatians, where we see the the love, the redemption and the goodness of God. Those are great examples. And I really love the one about Ruth because I know that adopted children sometimes can feel like they are worthless. There's no purpose for them. And here you have this Moabite woman who's in the genealogy of Jesus. You know, Ruth is a great example. And I love the Psalms and I love the whole concept of our adoption in Christ as well. So those are, are great examples. And I would encourage the audience to to pick up uh, their Bibles and read those passages, especially the book of Ruth. And I've been digging a lot into the Psalms and 146 is a great Psalm too, about how God is so caring for those individuals. In each of my episodes, what I like to do is to, to give the audience a daily doable, something, an action step that they can take. And you've given quite a few already, but for those, those adoptive parents who find themselves with check engine light notifications in their family. What would you say, because you have, you offer resources at Lifeline, what would you say would be a good starting point for them when they're wanting to see either get counseling or go through some kind of a, a check engine light test that they can start to, to say, okay, I need help. Here's where I need to go. So can you share me some of that? And we'll use that as our daily doable. Yeah. You know, I, I think the first thing is that I would tell any adoptive and foster family is to be in community with other adoptive and foster families. Um, you know, that community is rich. Uh, it's it's one where, you know, you can support one another. Uh, it's it's a great opportunity as well to to get other ideas that people have done. Um, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Mm -hmm. But I also think make that first call today. You know, make that first call to uh, a, a trauma-informed adoption and foster care trained biblical counselor in your neighborhood uh, or or maybe someone that, that will give some coaching online. You know, one of the things that I would offer to anyone, if you just want to start with coaching, um, our team uh, at lifelinechild.org, lifelinechild.org would be grateful to get you in a coaching relationship. And part of that might be that that coach says, hey, let us find you a, a trauma-informed, adoption-competent, 
biblical counselor in your area that you can see face to face. He could start working with you. So take that first step. And, and, you know, again, look for ways to say we don't have to. This is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard, but we don't have to just do this alone. Uh, and that's the biggest thing. And and again, biblically, we were not created to do life alone. We were not mm-hmm. created to do it in silos. And unfortunately, Tim, just even as you've said, so many families feel like they're alone. They're in a silo and they don't want to admit that things are, are hard and that things are messy. Mm-hmm. But the first thing and the first road to finding some relief and to finding some healing is to say, Things are messy and things are hard and I need help. And so I think the first thing you can do today is just say, I need help. And to seek out those resources, maybe in your sphere of influence at your church or always you can check out lifeonchild.org. Thank you. That's that's what I want to offer this these individuals in our audience, because I know a lot of them are wanting help. They've gotten to that point where they realize I need help. And so you've given some really good ideas where they can start to seek that help and you've given the website they can go to with lifeline i'll have all that information in the show notes is there anything specifically if they want i I don't know if they go directly to you or it would be any other contact information you want to provide as we wrap up here yeah so i think if anyone's looking for family coaching or some information on counseling or even bridge education services they can always like as a go to our website uh, lifelinechild.org they also can call our our number 205-967-0811. 205-967-0811. Lynn Beckett heads up our parent coaching program, and she would be grateful to get you in, in, in touch with one of our parent coaches. Um, Shannon Cress helps all those families who are looking for counselors in their area. So maybe if you already know, hey, I need to go see a counselor, a therapist that's trauma-informed, Shannon Cress, you can reach her at that number. Uh, and then Ann Mara Hinton with our Bridge Educational Services provides tutors, provides uh, things that you can do at home with your own children to begin to uh, help your child, not just from a from an educational standpoint, but to really be able to shape their mind, to be able to communicate and to be able to uh, express feelings, emotions, and to be able to to begin to understand even the things that their parents are helping them do. And again, I'll have all those uh, resources in the show notes. Well, Herbie, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And God bless you on your efforts to continue helping those adopted children and adopted families, whether in the foster system or whatever. But uh, again, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for having us. That was an amazing conversation. Herbie gave us so many important things to consider. Here are a few of the takeaways. Number one, we have to be willing to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty for the vulnerable children in our society. This is hard, messy, and difficult work. But remember, it's kingdom work. Number two, adoptive and foster parents need to make a plan. We need to make a lifelong commitment to these children. Number three, Look for those check engine light indicators in your children. And when you notice any, get help. Number four. It's not defeat and it's not weakness to seek help. Seek help early, but realize it's never too late to seek help. And number five. Remember, you don't have to do this alone. Join a community of other adoptive and foster families. 
Please check the show notes for ways to contact Herbie and Lifeline Children's Services. If you know any adoptive or foster parents this episode would bless, please share this with them. And if you haven't left a review for the show yet, please take a few minutes and do so. It will help this podcast reach those who need to hear messages like the one today. That's all for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.